0: How is the church today to resemble little communities of heaven? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. I'm honored to have Pastor Philip Wood with me for the next six podcasts. Philip is lead pastor at Northwest Christian Church in Wichita, Kansas, adjunct professor at Friends University, founder of Communities of Heaven Ministry, and most importantly, he says, he's the happy husband to Kathy Wood. Philip and Kathy Wood live in Wichita and have invested their lives in making disciples for Jesus Christ for over 40 years. He grew up in the home of a dynamic pastor from Australia and subsequently in Wichita, Pastor George Wood. In this first podcast, Philip shares a bit about his growing up in that environment and how he came to know the Lord Jesus as his Savior. He also shares how he was mentored by his father and others, and how the Lord came to show him how the church today should reflect heaven. So I have with me today uh, Pastor Philip Wood. He's a pastor in uh, Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Philip and I, and uh, my wife Carla, and his wife Kathy go back to the late 1970s. We were in a Sunday school class that uh, Philip and Kathy were leading, or participating in at least, uh, from 1977 through about 81. So welcome to the program today, Philip.
1: Uh, Thank you, David. It's an honor to be here. Well, as I go back and think about uh, my beginning, I was born and raised in Australia, and of course, people will pick that up real quickly as they hear my speech impediment, as I usually say. Um, I'm the eldest of five, and I was raised uh, in the home of a man, my father, George Wood. It's been a very dynamic evangelist, uh, had a very large church in Australia. Uh, my father uh, was a minister, and uh, I, again, all my life, I have heard the gospel. Uh, uh, and I remember um, uh, being uh, <laughs> even in church many times and uh, wanted to, how would we say, respond to the gospel, even as a little boy. And at the age of 10... I finally, what we'd say, went forward. I was in a tent crusade. Interestingly enough, at the time, my mother was facing uh, the possibility of losing her life because she had polio. And my my grandmother was uh, and grandfather were staying with us at the time. And uh, so at the same time, my father was holding a six-week tent crusade. I remember I was on the third row back, and when the invitation was given and my father always used the same song that my uh, that Billy Graham used, just as I am without one plea. <laughs> so I went forward and accepted Christ. Now, the things that I remember after that, my father, even though he was a minister, never, how would I say, encouraged us or urged us specifically to accept Christ. In other words, He preached the gospel, believed that when we understood it, that we would accept Christ on our own volition. He never organized training classes um, or anything like that with a group of kids and then just brought them to be baptized at a particular time. It was something that we, was an individual decision made alone. And uh, I made that decision, as did all my, you know, my siblings, my brother and my three sisters. And uh, I remember after that, the first thing my dad talked to me about was the importance of being immersed. And, of course, I had seen this all my life, but he wanted to be sure that I understood what that meant. It was the fighting with Christ, death, and burial, and then being raised up again, having a brand new wife. Well, as much as a 10-year-old young man can embrace that, I did, and my father baptized me. But immediately after that, I remember sitting in his office and he says, I'm going to teach you how to have a quiet time. And that was a very important beginning, fundamental. And uh, he set me up with a a notebook and a Bible and showed me how to read, to mark the Bible, to choose the key verse, write down notes (laughs) and uh, write down what I was learning. And the other thing that my dad did, now it's not like he met with me every day, but there were seasons where we'd meet together for several days in a row or once a week or whatever and do it together. So my father was very good at modeling and then helping me be accountable. He would, on a regular basis, it seemed like, ask me the question, um, how's your quiet time going? And usually when he asked that question, my quiet time was not going. (laughs) Perhaps my, my behavior betrayed me. Uh, I don't know. But uh, it really wasn't until I was in college that I developed the habit of doing it literally every day. And To the best of my knowledge, um, I, I really hadn't missed a day as much as I know. I mean, that just becomes as important to me as like brushing my teeth. I tell people or something that, you know, I will find if I, don't, if I get up late or something, I'll just figure out a time. My earliest time, I love the uh, navigator's idea, you know, no, no Bible, no breakfast or something, you know, so it's sort of like that first opportunity. I said, well, what do you do when you miss your breakfast? What do you do? You you starve? No, you just look for the first opportunity you can to get something to eat. Right. <laughs> so, so the Lord has directed me to do that over the years. And, and frankly, um, I get to the place where I really enjoy uh, my father, I think, particularly, has given me a not a not a formal or religious view of the Bible, but a very personal view of being in the Word of God and seeking to hear the voice of the Lord. So that was. Uh, and then in 1969, we came over here to America. My dad was a pastor, a, an evangelist. He travelled around, and uh, and from there, uh, in my senior year, a uh, new a youth minister, came to Central Christian Church. Her name was Sunday. And uh, I tell you what, her life was quite a light to mine. In other words, quite an example. And uh, I tried my best to imitate her, uh, at least in her faith. She stirred our hearts, the, the Spirit of God. She was used by God to stir my heart to love Jesus more, and I appreciated her zeal, her passion for the Lord, and uh, it caused me to pursue him. Uh, I went to several conferences during that time, and it was 1970 and 71. It was quite a Jesus going on at that time, and then went away to all Roberts University. And, uh, again, that was a very, very moving uh, experience for me, uh, beginning with just the impact of the care and the love of older people Christian young men I mean the upper that you know were what we call a wing chap or oh, the wing that that taught me uh, and loved me and uh, helped me adjust into this college life and um, and then you know get adjusted to meeting all these people from different backgrounds uh, it was really a wonderful experience so went on from there and uh, we just really I really grew in that experience getting particularly acquainted with the gift and the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, learning a little bit more about the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the ministry of healing, you know, around old Roberts, although interestingly enough, I never ever saw him pray for the sick. But I saw a lot of students do it, and I saw a lot of um, people, other people pray for the sick, and I saw a lot of miracles happen. I mean, I guess one of the reasons we don't see more miracles, we probably don't pray that much (laughs) or expect them. And I ran into some, frankly, some young people and some teachers that had tremendous faith for this that you know, I'd never seen before and, uh, and witnessed and experienced some miracles in my own life as well as the, it's about the baptism in the Holy Spirit particularly was a, was a wonderful thing, learning about the power of the Spirit, which I'd never perhaps understood to the degree that I began to learn about in that environment. So it was a wonderful four years for me, that's for sure. Hmm. I, um, a lot of things happened. I, I went to that school pretty shy. And, and over the years, the, the Lord was, was gracious enough to, to help me come into different positions. My senior year was probably the most n- impacting for some reason. God seemed to do things in my senior year, senior year of high school, senior year of college. And one of the things that I did in my senior year was listen to a lot of tapes. And one person I listened to a lot of was Howard, Hendrick, okay, Howard Hendricks, Dr. Howard Hendrix, from Dallas Theological Seminary. And one set of tapes that I picked up was on leadership. because I should always remember one of his earliest statements was, a leader is someone who leads okay that's that's the profundity of dr Hendricks. and then he says now that assumes he knows where he's going <laughs> and then he asked this profound question it, it really changed my life he says what would you love to do with jesus within this lifetime so that when you were to die you die a totally fulfilled person well i had no idea I mean, I just figured, well, I'm going to go through seminary. I'm going to, you know, go through, I mean, college and graduate, go through seminary, and then I'll go on and see what opens up kind of thing. I didn't get the idea that God would actually tell me in detail ahead of time what he might have in store for me. And that's when, as I was asking the question and saying, Lord, what is it that you have for me to do? Of course, Howard Hendricks encouraged us to write it down. Take a sheet of paper, write down. You know, my first statement went something like, I want to serve Jesus. And, of course, the Holy Spirit, I think, prompted me to say, doing what? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Then <laughs> I realized I need to flesh this thing out. Maybe I need to go back to Australia or something. I don't know. I wasn't sure. I was brainstorming at that point. And so I went to, I was attending at the time, a First Methodist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um uh, Uh, in that senior year. And a speaker was visiting one Sunday morning. His name was Tom Skinner. And Tom Skinner is uh, a man who has spoken at Promise Keepers, African-American gentleman, just uh, a fireball of a preacher, that's for sure. And he was speaking on the Lord's Prayer. And he came to this part uh, in chapter 6 of verse 10 of Matthew, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he said, he made this statement, and it changed my life, added to my life purpose. He says, the church of Jesus Christ needs to be a community of heaven on earth. It needs to be a little foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. Well, the interesting thing is I began to reflect on that. I said, that's it. It went straight to my heart. And led me eventually to say, I want to be instrumental in setting up communities of heaven on earth. And I have no idea what that is, <laughs> so, although I probably had a little insight in the fact that at Oral Roberts University, I had uh, particularly my all my years. I had all kinds of different types of people, young men around me from different backgrounds. Uh, as I said, I moved with a Lutheran. I uh, had a couple of Pentecostal felons from the Assembly of God on one side of me. I had a couple Catholic fellows on the other side of me. And I had a Baptist fellow across the road from me, and on it went. And we all worshiped together. And I think to some degree that was God's gentle way of giving me a little illustration of what heaven was going to be like. The differences don't make a big difference. The labels we wear, but indeed the unity we have is in Christ himself and our love for him and the gift of his Holy Spirit.
0: The unity that believers should have is in the person of Jesus Christ, in God the Father, and in the Holy Spirit. Labels are indeed less important. In the next several podcasts, Philip shares with us many practical ideas for sharing Christ with others, helping them grow and developing communities of heaven, little groups that experience relationship as a foretaste of heaven. For more information about Philip and Kathy and their ministry, check out communitiesofheaven.org. That's communitiesofheaven.org. Join me next time as we together learn more about Making Disciples Naturally.